the Biurban Yogi, episode 14, featuring Dr. Elaine Tesolmiers. I'm Will Blunderfield. I'm a psychology major, kundalini yoga teacher, spin instructor, recording artist, and mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher in training. Join me in this free-flowing conversation with mentors and experts on such diverse topics as queer theory, holistic well-being, and music. Dr. Alain Desaigneurs wants to live in a world where great coffee is enjoyed together. Emails are short, hugs are the new handshake, and health development is a daily ritual. As a second-generation doctor of chiropractic, from a family of over 43 chiropractors, international speaker and educator, he's been featured on numerous podcasts, has been applauded on stages big and small, whole world over, and has been honored to share the platform with some of the brightest minds in health, wellness, personal development, and leadership. He's the founder of Tribe X, breakthrough coaching and leadership training. When he's not taking care of his awesome clients at Revolution Health in Vancouver, speaking about optimizing our health and lives, or coaching entrepreneurs, you can find him connecting with friends at a local cafe or adventuring around Vancouver with his inspiration, love, muse, and wife, Sarah, and their adorable daughter, Eve. I hope you enjoy my interview with Dr. Alan. Check, check, one, two. Yeah, so I usually just, I just press record and then when it starts to sound interesting, I just kind of cut it from there. Yeah, what's the app that you use to, I to use, record? Um, Is it the Rode app? No, I just actually use GarageBand. Oh, right into GarageBand. Oh. Yeah, it's super easy. Well done. And then <clears> I have lots of battery power, but I'm just going to put it on low battery mode just in case. Can I speak freely? On you didn't say anything because there's an explicit okay. sign on all of my podcast things. Because yeah. I didn't know how to differentiate, so I was like, I might as well just put it on all of them. Because we end up like saying F, we say like fuck once at least. So <laughs> I, sit, I try to, and I don't get I try to throw it in at least once every two sentences. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, mistake. Because I was talking about that with my wife. Because my wife, because our daughter's starting to repeat words now. Oh. And she, she was saying, she's like, oh, well, you're gonna have to stop swearing now because she's gonna pick it up. She's gonna, she's gonna pick it up. And it led into a discussion about like, what? Well, I, I don't, I don't mind that. People swear. I, yeah. I draw the line like if she calls somebody a name, yeah, that's off limits. Yeah, you can't do, no, you can't do that. But mm-hmm. say fuck or shit, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have a problem with it at all, at all. Yeah, I used to get in like hot water for saying saying a few f bombs in my classes, and um, you know, it's it's funny. Like uh, people people can be very. Uh, sensitive and so I've just learned to be a little bit more PC so I don't ever swear in my classes mm-hmm. um, and I was talking actually to a yoga teacher yesterday and she teaches um, she teaches corporate yoga and I guess she was called aside by a boss and was like hey we love your classes I don't mind it but you know one of one of your uh, male students was upset uh, that you talked you said oh if you're on your moon cycle please don't do this pose could you please not talk about moon cycles in, in your classes and I was like oh my gosh like what? People get really offended by things, and you know, it, I, it, it's sad that that people are so uncomfortable with just simple things like bodily processes. Yeah. But um, you know, what can you let, do? Let me ask you this: <laughs> so, with like, there seems to be this like growing like um, 
like outrage porn. You know, outrage, outrage, outrage porn. Like it's like everyone's outrage. everyone's just like out to be outraged about something. Everyone's right, pissed right. off about something, and everyone's like so sensitive yeah. about everything. Yeah. And uh-huh. I'm curious, like how it's like you just being you, mm-hmm. like being being bisexual and stuff like that. Like that mm-hmm. will make people uncomfortable. Yes. Just just like just like do you, do you do you find yeah like do you find that that comes up a lot in just normal conversation like meeting people or yeah it does and it but it depends like I was just up at a music festival with a bunch of open-minded people like from like Ashland and it didn't come up at all like I felt very they were very open-minded and we had unique conversations and I never felt like I had to censor myself but like in mainstream society I do find that me just being myself um, is a big issue for certain people and so what I've realized is it's an opportunity for me to practice being more compassionate and to cultivate a stronger nervous system so that I don't react as much to the homophobia, for example, mm-hmm. so that I can stay in a place of self-love even while I might be triggering somebody so that hopefully their mirror neurons will become active and they'll go, oh, he's fine with me just calling him a fag. Not that mm-hmm. they really do that anymore, but that sort of energy. You know, I'll be wearing eye makeup or something and I'll get a, a nasty look, for yeah, example. Yeah. Oh, he, I just gave that dude a nasty look, but he's still cough. Oh, Oh, maybe it's okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's just, a, it's, it's kind of like a call for me to up-level my nervous system and my ability to stay in a place of self-love and compassion for myself and others while I'm being castigated at times. Right, right. But it's happening yeah. less and less. Yeah. And also, like, I can choose. Like, I can choose where I spend my time. And I like spending my time with people who are a little bit more open-minded, so I tend to hang around in those circles. Right. And, uh, and then I don't experience as much of it. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. It's not as bad as high school, that's for sure. High school was a shit show. Just like people throwing eggs at me while I was going for runs and, and uh, you know, drawing penises in my mouth on my student council posters and yeah. stuff and throwing things at me. And I think it was just like... Do you think that people's, people's like, minds have shifted? Or do you feel like it's just become more, like, subversive? Mm. I think people's... I want to believe people's minds have shifted. I mean, like, I, when I was in high school, I was the only person who was openly gay. There was one other guy, so two of us. Um, you know, and I was the only boy in choir. And now, like, a lot of people sing, whether you're male or female, and, and, or gay or straight or whatever. Right. And so I think people's minds are opening to gender diversity, sexual diversity, um, and also just what you prefer to do. Like, if you are a dude and you like to dance, I hope that's becoming more more acceptable. I think it is. I think people's minds are opening. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Good. yeah. Yeah. What do you think? I would like to think so, too. I hope so. <clears throat> but it, it seems like now, I don't know, like with social media and like people going ape shit on Twitter and stuff like that, like, I don't know, it seems like there's like just the, the extremes there mm-hmm. seem to be instead of like I think when maybe when we were growing up there was a lot more kind of in the middle mm-hmm. like there was not like as much extreme hate extremism like yeah. I mean as much as as much as not to take away from the fact like having shit thrown at you and stuff like that like that's awful that's terrible but well, it's it affected my nervous system definitely did <laughs> what's that? I think it gave me a bit of post-traumatic stress oh yeah I'm sure but yeah that, that part yeah that wasn't but you're right, there actually is kind of like a polarizing thing happening 
with people's beliefs and, 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 and attacking each other. Um, and I think while polarization, like I think that's good in that people can actually make a stand for something or not, I think it also... Like Jordan Peterson and, you know, being against allowing trans people to be called whatever they're wanting. I don't even, I didn't even get into it much because I, I, I don't like to read too much of the news and stuff, but apparently Jordan Peterson is this scholar from Toronto and he refused to call some of his transgendered pe um, students by, you know, alternative, uh, you know, names, not just male or female, but like somebody wanted to be called they. Yeah. Um, if they were trans. And I'm kind of thinking, well, good for you for taking a stand about what you believe in, but like, dude, like, if you were born with like, for example, a third chromosome. I dated somebody who was, had XXY chromosomes. Yeah. So somewhere in, amorphously in the middle of male and female. Like if you walked a mile in that person's shoes, maybe you, maybe you too would want to be called they. So I, I think it's hard when somebody is cisgendered to be like, oh, no, this is wrong. Like it's wrong to legally protect transgender people from, I'm like, well, wait a sec. Like try, try being born with like a vagina and like a small penis and like see how you feel. Like you might want to identify differently as well, mm -hmm. maybe. You know, I, I feel like gender and sexuality is so diverse and I think we ought to help everybody feel safe being, being their true selves. Yeah. How do, you, how do you think we can do that? Because like, it seems to be like, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yet there also seems to be like this kind of like watering down or potentially like a watering down of like, of, I don't know, of like... Society? Not society, but... Structures? Well, maybe, but that's not, I don't think that that's the bad thing. But I, I don't know, I guess going back to like what we were talking about, uh, about like, just kind of like the polarization. Mm -hmm. And with that polarization, I think there's a lot of, I don't know, like it seems like everything, everything is becoming so safe. Like, like, right. like we can't, like we can't potentially ever say anything that will offend anybody. And I think by right. doing that, like, I don't know, I think, let's say like my daughter raised my daughter, like, I know at some point that she's going to be offended by stuff and that she's right. going to take offense and she's going to cause offense. And I think that's how we learn. Like, I don't want yeah. her to just grow up in like this little bubble where like, where she doesn't grow. Like, I think there's in, in that, that's where we grow. I agree with you. You know, and I think partly part, there's a, a concept I remember learning, um, well, conscious blaming. I learned it through Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. And he talked about like, if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, his mother was abusive when he was a child, like he would not necessarily have grown up to be the person that he is yes. now because of that. And I think because of, let's say, this, the trials that you've gone through too, like you are the person you are now because of all of that, kind of the sum total of those oh, things, yeah. because you chose to rise above that well, and it's become you to turn the, inwards. And, and yeah, exactly. And I think yeah. like if, if everybody all, of, all the time thinks that whatever I think is just fine and I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't ever I don't know, question and not just question, but, like, provoke or, mm. I don't know. Like, I'm not a big I, fan I, of these, like, this I whole agree. idea of, like, PC, safe, like yeah. PC safe spaces, like... Yeah. No, I agree. I think that people should um, be able to voice their opinions and um, not feel like they're going to offend somebody. And I think it's just all about, like, everybody just loving themselves more. For example, like, if I was transgendered, and Jordan and I was in Jordan Peterson's class, and um, and then he's and I said, oh please, uh, you know, could you please call me they instead of he or she? And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. 
if I had a strong meditation practice, like and a strong meta practice, which is a type of meditation where you you basically shower yourself with self compassion every day, and you, you say like, may I be happy and healthy, may I be you know at peace, may I be strong and vibrant or whatever. You just say. So mm-hmm. I feel like if I was trans and I was saying that to myself on a daily basis, if somebody was like, no, I'm not going to call you that, I would just I'd have so much self love that it wouldn't matter as to whether or not. So it's like I wouldn't get offended, and I would just from my heart say oh like that hurts my heart a bit um could you tell me more about why you don't feel comfortable calling me they mm-hmm. you know and i would try to just speak from my heart and maintain that self-love while talking to somebody who i who my ego is offended by but i know at the soul level we all love each other mm-hmm. so i would try to do yogic practices that keep me in my heart just be like oh please tell me more um one of my friends was telling me he uses this technique instead of was it trading positions for, oh shit, got to look it up. Trading positions for like common ground essentially. Yeah. So instead of trying to like push your point onto somebody else, especially if they have a completely different viewpoint than you, try to find the common ground. So just keep asking them lovingly about what they had just said mm-hmm. until you find a common ground where you can hone in on something where you both agree on. Yeah. So I guess that's, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's, people should feel safe and, and not like they're going to hurt somebody else's feelings. And I guess t- to get there's a society, we all need to meditate more and like be in our hearts more. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because I think ultimately we all want the same thing. We yeah. all want to be loved. We all want to feel safe and significant. And yeah. And also like instead of, um, you know, if if one if somebody offends you, and I like this about our men's group, it's like if somebody says something that hurts you, it's like we're encouraged to go to that person directly and from our hearts have a conversation instead of like talk about it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I'm training myself to be brave enough, like right when I feel, you know, um, a sense of like I've been offended, instead of like letting it fester, just like okay, how did that feel in my body? Okay, take like turn it, do a little U-turn. I use this acronym called RAIN. So I recognize what's going on. I affirm that it's okay. I investigate. Like I go in like, oh, like that hurt my heart. So I go and I breathe into my heart. Um, And then I I shower that area with like awareness and love. And then I just um, let it neutralize. And then it's like, do I need to talk to that person? Yeah, I still need to talk to that person. Mm -hmm. And like go and and talk to that person. So I think that if, if we as a culture gave ourselves permission to go directly to the person who upset us, maybe that would be better than what's happening now, which is like people go onto Facebook and like write shit and like make it public. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, first just go to the person. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. First look at yourself, meditate, take a moment, create a little bit of space between the stimulus, whatever they said, and then your response. Give yourself a little time. If you still need to talk, go right to the source if you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah? Yeah, it sounds similar to... Um Stuff that, uh, like the the work that uh, Byron Katie talks about. Oh, I love like, her. Yeah, yeah like asking, like, is that is that really true? Like, whatever story I'm making up about, mm. whatever situation. Yeah. And typically, I don't know when I ever ask myself that, it's typically not. It's never. It's never what I think it is. Yeah, it's true. Oftentimes, it's a deeper thing or something. Yeah. And then also, she, her her work finishes with like, it's like uh, my dad needs to accept me more. I need to accept me more. Like, you turn it around in her work. Yeah. I like that, too. I really think it's all about self-love. It's all about love. It's all about love. I know that's, like, cliche, but I think it's about being able to train your nervous system to stay in a place of 
of love, neutrality. Um, because then if somebody says something that upsets you, you have a strong base of this neutral feeling, this neutral mind, where you can see, like maybe somebody calls, like, somebody calls me a fag or something, I can see the scared child in them that's been conditioned by this culture to like reject that part of themselves. Mm-hmm. But when I'm not loving myself and somebody calls me a fag, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm a fag, I better like start doing crystal meth again and like <laughs> slitting my wrists and like having, like getting fisted every night and doing heroin. <laughs> how, how often does that happen? Did you get called that now? I don't get called back anymore, really. No. 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 I mean, if, I, if I'm holding hands with a guy, still I'll get looks. And like, if I'm in certain parts of the town, people will say fag. Like, if I'm in the downtown east side, the drug yeah. users and stuff, or like uh, people coming yeah. out of Pub 649 or whatever, they <laughs> will be like, fucking faggots! But I know that they're, like, high on meth. Right. <laughs> And if, even if they're not, I just say, oh, they're probably high on meth because it helps me stay in a place of compassion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always come back to that, the idea that, you know, hurt people hurt people. Yes. And, <laughs> like, we were talking about this, my wife and I were talking about this the other day, like, because I was, you know, normally it takes me, what, 25 minutes to sort of get home from the office. Mm. And there's one day it took me, like, two and a half hours because mm. of somebody was, I don't know if they jumped, but, there's a jumper on the on the bridge on oh, the Lionsgate bridge. That day, yeah. And um, yes, yeah, so my wife was looking it up and she was kind of reading about it while I was sitting in the car <laughs> in traffic, and she was saying that yeah, there was a thing about it on on a Facebook group that like a mom's group that she's that she's part of, and people were like some people were very understanding and like very compassionate and empathetic about the whole situation. Yeah. Some people were super pissed off and like. How, why can't they just like open a lane? Like, how dare they? Like, it was just so, it's a bunch of bullshit. But yeah. one of the things they were saying that why they, they close the entire bridge, why they don't even open one lane when something like that happens, is because they've had a bunch of idiots who will be like driving across and see the person about to jump and just yell out, jump! Oh my god. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That's so crazy. I'm like, jeez. And like, really well, how sad. disconnected do you have to be? That's a good word. Like, for Inch that off. to, oh my gosh. So, yeah, I, mean, I remember having a, uh, an experience with uh, an ex of mine who her father, like, couldn't stand me for whatever reason. Mm. Like, he, he came up with all a bunch of bullshit stuff, like, there's too many chiropractors in my family, and, like, why can't he do anything else with his life? Because, you know, I became a chiropractor like a bunch of other people in my family. And this was and your girlfriend's father? father? Yeah. Who, 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 by the way, was, uh, who owned a jewelry store, mm-hmm. whose father also owned a jewelry store, and whose daughter also owned a jewelry store with him. Sounds like projection. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? But that, I remember, like, not fr- like, trying to figure out why is this, like, what, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Or what's happening that this guy just doesn't, doesn't like me? Mm-hmm. And then I saw him interact with his dad, mm-hmm. and, like, it was just such a dysfunctional relationship. Like, they mm-hmm. ever... Like when we, when her, when her, um, sorry, when his father passed away, we were at the funeral and we weren't even allowed to sit with the rest of the family. It's a family who was like hired private investigators against each other and stuff like that. And I remember in that moment feeling like, oh, this guy's just like a six year old kid just, just craving for the attention and love of his father. Yes. And so I remember thinking, okay, hurt, hurt, yeah, he's, he's a hurt, he's a hurt young boy in, in a man's body. Yes. And when also like this culture, it's really um, conducive to being hurt and out of your body and disconnected. Um, like especially in the city, like I just did a silent retreat on, on Devon Island and 
I felt like a little bit more myself over there, just like in nature and being encouraged to slow down. And like, we took literally like an hour to eat our food, like just it's really slowing down. Like we were taught how to walk really slowly and just like watch our minds and stuff. And um, our teacher there, he said that when the Dalai Lama first came to North America, he was shocked and appalled by the level of self-aversion that we have as a culture. Mm. Um, you know, it's all about the rat race and it's all about how much you do the more you do, the more you're worth, and it's all about like appearances, um, and and so I think that's really kind of like a breeding ground for being disconnected and for projecting our shadow. Like we're never really taught to face our shadow and to integrate, or even how to do that. I'm just learning how to do that right now, and over the last few years, like learning like vipassana and kundalini yoga and these techniques of meditation. Mm-hmm. But like most people even in the yoga sphere, most people in this city, they think of yoga as just stretching. Right. They don't want to like use the technologies of meditation or chanting. It's too out there for most people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I feel like we're, it's kind of just like, we're, we're in this matrix that's kind of designed to keep us disconnected. Because when we're disconnected, we're good consumers. We're not as healthy. So that makes a lot of money for big pharmaceutical companies and it keeps us, you know, glued to our TVs and Netflix because we don't want to, like, be in our bodies because we're uncomfortable because maybe we're not eating very healthy. Um, you know, like, the masses, like, there's not, like, an advertisement on every bus stop for, like, green smoothies. It's for Big Macs still. Yeah. It's 2018. It's still like that. And so I'm trying to have compassion because, like, I feel like I'm slowly starting to feel good in my body, like, for the first time since I was, like, six but it's like a very slow process and it's a lot of, it's a lot of discipline and work. And, um, I just, I just feel like compassion. Like if we don't have compassion first for ourselves, then we're going to misunderstand the language of this, this time in human history. And we're just going to fuck it up even more. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, just, I think compassion is, is the key. I agree with you. Yeah. And then that kind of ties in. I wanted to ask you about, um, you were talking about multiple personality disorder um, studies and how like when one, when somebody has a certain ailment or a certain condition in one personality, mm-hmm. sometimes when they switch personalities, that condition will go away. Things with like allergies too. Yeah, it's amazing. Or even when I was at UBC, um, one of the professors in the health psychology class told us about a study where there was a kid who had blue eyes in one um, of his personalities and then when he switched personalities his eye color eye color changed to a a dark green that's amazing it blows my mind yeah and this is not like at blessed coast this was at ubc (laughs) yeah yeah. Yeah, it wasn't it it was legit so Um, i wanted to ask you about that and maybe something about how that could tie into what we're talking about with like moving forward and becoming more compassionate right well I mean, I think everything that's, like we talk about this, this, this I guess this disconnection or this a separation of mind and body mm-hmm. when, like, it's really, like, it's one and the same. I yes. mean, our, our thoughts affect our physiology and our physiology affects our thoughts as well. So I can't, I can't imagine that, that, yeah, like, that's kind of played out, played out to the extreme like that. Like mm-hmm. it literally, and we, you know, we've we've learned through right, some some common teachers of ours, like Bruce Lipton and, and Greg Braden and stuff like that. That like our our literally our DNA changes because of the thoughts that we have 
and you know, there's the, I don't know, it's not as popular anymore, but uh, I can't remember. There's a, I think it was, it was a Japanese scientist. He did the, the, the Emoto. Emoto, yeah, yeah, the yeah. thing with water. Yeah, the right? water crystallization. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's in everything, and I think we're in an interesting spot in in I guess in history where we're actually able to quantify some of the things that we've always kind of thought and qualified, but now we're able to actually see it. So it gives yeah. like a new dimension to this truth yeah. that that our thoughts are things, and that you know it's not just some La -la, some self help. Yeah, guru telling telling us about it, but it's actual, you know, it's reproducible scientific data that's that's showing us that. I think we all kind of know that, and we're kind of scared of it. We're scared of our power. Like, um, you know, there's this narrative in our culture that this these are the best times in terms of technology and medicine, and we're very advanced, more advanced than we've ever been. But I don't know if I believe that narrative anymore. I feel like maybe there was a time when humans were actually far more evolved than we are now and that we've fallen from that period and that we're slowly finding our way back up right. to that. I don't, I don't know which narrative is true, but I'm starting to feel in my waters that actually maybe there was a time when, when human beings were more compassionate, more technologically advanced, more able to heal themselves yeah. in an effective, sustainable way. Um, and that, that we're just learning to maybe come back to that time. Yeah, and I think like our, say like the outside technology has far surpassed anything that we've ever mm -hmm. thought. But now, yeah, it's like it's our inner technology. It's like the inner game is now having to catch up to, mm, inner to that. Inner engineering. Yeah. It's like Goethe talks about. Yeah, it's like we've devolved as, as, a, as a species in one way, in like our humanity and compassion yeah. to that for, for so long. Like we've we've created this separation. I think they, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe part of it was I wouldn't say by design, but was like in a, is perfect in a way that we needed that separation to that duality to be able to understand the bigger picture. Perhaps, and without yeah. uh, without you know, and maybe we're just slow in that you know, it's taken centuries and millennia to figure out. But mm -hmm. but yeah, like we're, we're I, I I hope I, I believe we're, we're coming back to that place. I want to pull up a quote from my meditation teacher, Whit Hornsberger. He, is, he studied human, um, human development and going from primates to humans. And he just posted something on his Instagram that, that kind of pertains to what we're talking about and compassion and like everything. Let me just look it up. Hmm. This is uh, Whit Hornsberger. He's a great meditation and yoga teacher. Okay, he says... Be patient, be kind, and be forgiving, both to ourselves and to each other. For we are primates learning to be human, perhaps not the most straightforward of incarnations. I like that. That's good, eh? Mm -hmm. Thanks, Wit. Here's one thing I, that, that, that makes me think of when we, when we says that, like, and, and thinking about like the kind of the de-evolution sometimes, is when we think about, I find a lot of times, and working with clients too, mm -hmm. whatever sphere is that, People will mistake uh, forgiveness of self with apathy, meaning they'll say, oh, I'm going to forgive myself, but yet they don't take the actual next step of forgiveness, which I actually think is like the active step of doing something different, acting oh, differently yeah, than before. Like they feel like, oh, I just, I'm going to forgive myself, but they're actually still kind of in that old story. Right. They, they're just allowing it to 
I don't know, just allowing them to kind of like further kind of break them down. Like they're just not as mentally and emotionally affected by it. But they're actually not taking the next step, the actual forgiveness, which is actually acting differently. Right. And I think with, there's a, there's, you know, with the big movement of um, like the secret and things like that, like yeah. people were, were of this mindset that like all I need to do is think something different and my life would be different. And I think that's, there's, there's actual, there's truth to that, but there's the next step too, which is actually, it's like Living making your thought incarnate. It's actually doing something. Like yeah. you need to live differently. You can't just think about living differently. Yes. So there's that next step. And I think where, where people, and I remember falling in this a lot is feeling like, okay, well, I forgive myself, but actually falling in the same trap all, all over again, but right. not actually just being, not, not being as, as charged about it as I was before because, oh, well, I must be better now because I'm, I I've forgiven myself, but I was still not. I, I hadn't, like, I think yeah. true forgiveness is, is, you know, it's a verb. It's, it's acting differently. Yeah, forgiveness is not a passive exercise. You actually have to do forgiveness. Yeah. Like, you actually have to, um, like, you'll probably still be pissed off at the person, or you might still have self-loathing, but you kind of have to, like, force yourself. It's like, um, just because you forgive yourself doesn't mean that you've escaped the, the pain of being human, that you can just sit on your ass and do nothing. Right. And expect to live the life of your dreams. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the things, while I don't agree fully with, with the, all the concepts but like the different 12 step programs like the, oh, yeah. the, the, the step of making amends like that's a powerful like that's to me that's really cool because that's, that's forgiveness in like in motion right and there's something really powerful about that that is very powerful it's scary it's yeah it's it very powerful. scary yeah it's very scary but it's very good yeah well it's kind of like the book that we were that we were reading in the men's group uh, The Tools by Phil Stutz yeah I love the tool, uh, bring it on, I love pain, pain sets me free. Oh, I use that every morning so now good. in the cold shower. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I'll, sit, I'll sit there with my hand on the, on the, on the tap, on, like on the knob, I'm like, all right, bring it on, bring it on, and I turn it on cold. Yeah. And then only lasts a, a split second, and then I feel great. Yeah. Oh, and there's a fine line between the pleasure and the pain sensations, and and sometimes I find like I can actually certain things that are kind of painful like cold showers if I really can just relax into it it's almost orgasmic like I can yeah. kind of change like something that's very painful to something that feels extremely pleasurable if I just kind of shift my mindset and so I'm training myself to do that right and uh, yeah like for example uh, in Kundalini Yoga um, Yogi Bhajan left a series of postures and chanting that you can do to strengthen yourself to survive and thrive in the Aquarian age, this age of technology, and this age of expansion. And uh, so he, he likes you to get up at 4 a.m., so from 4 to 6.30 a.m. you're doing yoga, basically. And you have a cold shower first. And, and um, so at first I was like, I'm never gonna do this. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, I thought it was just complete bullshit. And like, that's ridiculous. But, like, I kind of just forced myself to do it. And yeah. it's actually kind of fun to, like, get up and, like, have that cold shower, sit on your cushion, do your yoga and meditate. Like, it's very empowering. And then the rest of your day is, like, very... I find it can be very synchronistic and I get a lot of work done and I feel very productive. Yeah. And so... But I do really have to use those tools. Like, bring it on. I love pain. Pain sets me free. And if I do that enough, then what was painful and what I thought was impossible becomes so much easier. Pleasurable, even. So, almost, ple yeah, pleasurable. <laughs> almost pleasurable. Well, actually, yeah, at certain moments, it's, like, very pleasurable. 
very it's like discipline can be very pleasurable yeah yeah I think what yeah especially when I'm in the cold shower I think about like the pleasure of kind of the outcome of of yeah. it like I know like I don't know I start visualizing my life because of what I'm doing in the present nice which may not be super comfortable but actually but now I love taking cold showers yeah that, that split second when I get in oh uh-huh. I just want to just burn everything to the ground but Literally, it's a split second. Then I feel, oh my gosh, it feels so good. Right? Yeah. It's so good. What other, um, like, practices do you like to do that help keep you in your highest? Um, Well, I think anything that I do in the morning, like, I know, like, if I just kind of default into the day, Mm -hmm. and if I've got to get up super quick and get out the door... Like, my day is going to be shit. But mm-hmm. if I take time for myself first thing in the morning, cold shower is one of them. It's usually probably one of the last things I do. So I do it after, like, moving my body. I always had a story for the longest time about not feeling like I would get my best workout first thing in the morning. Like, mm-hmm. my body was kind of sluggish. I'm not really a morning person. I had all these stories built up. Uh, until I went to, um, it was actually, well, it was like a, a business and personal development program for men in California a couple years ago. And my friend Ryan, who I was bunking with, He's like, he's like mega athlete, and he dragged my ass out of bed, and we'd do workouts, like super intense workouts, first thing in the morning. And I remember like, oh, well, this is actually really good. Like, I got a super good sweat, like I feel fucking fantastic. And it like, just in that moment, just like broke that story. Like, nice. oh, I had the story for years. Like I would, right. and I would make excuses like, oh, I'm gonna just go work out during lunch and whatever, and then the day goes on and nothing happens, but. Um, but yeah, like moving my body first thing in the morning, I've noticed a massive difference since I've been doing it. That's um, awesome. I always love, like I'm, I'm someone that I, like, I don't have, or I don't choose to take a lot of time to do a whole lot of stuff because I've got so much stuff on the go. So like anything that I can just get into and be really powerful and quick, yeah. like that's my favorite, like most bang for my buck. So I like, let's say like journaling. I love journaling, nice. but um, so now I do the, the five-minute journal. Oh, you familiar yeah, with the five-minute journal? Yeah, actually, they sell that at one of the yoga studios I teach at. Oh, cool. So I, have, I yeah. just have, like, a, like, an editable... Not editable. I've got, like, a PDF copy of the, all the questions. Oh, and cool. I just have on my iPad, and I just write, like, handwrite every morning. So I, nice. I, like, I, like a template, I guess. And so, yeah, so every morning I just answer the question, like, what am I grateful for? Three things that I'm grateful for. Three things that would make today great. Nice. Uh, and then an affirmation. So I am some intention for the day Sweet. and then that's yeah literally three minutes in the morning and then two minutes at night yes yeah, so the night and then the night questions is like what what about today was awesome and what could i have done better and that's in the five minute journal that's as well. the, that's yeah that's oh essentially the whole five minute journal. journal i mean and they give they give the questions away they give that you can you can download okay. a copy of everything on their website okay awesome so i'm not giving anything away but um so i just created a little template that i can just because i like to be able to handwrite I also don't like to carry books around. Yeah. So I have everything now on my iPad. Oh, I'm gonna the, that's one of the ways that. that technology allowed me to go further and deeper into myself. Yeah. <laughs> I can just carry everything with me. That's awesome. On one little tool. That's very good. Um, but I think throughout the day, one thing that, that, that when I'm conscious of and I try to be conscious of, or I, I choose to be conscious of most of the time is that, like we were talking about, like the idea of hurt people hurt people. Yes. And whatever whoever I come across, I just imagine them kind of like their five-year-old self. Like, that's good. It's someone who's, you know, who doesn't have a bunch of bullshit 
blocking all that stuff and who just wants love and compassion and yes. to be understood and to feel significant and be cared for. So That's very good. That's I, know, very I, just, good. I kind of think about that yes. with every, every interaction. So I try to be, I don't know, I just try to be kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see he's a very kind and loving individual. I really like hanging around you because of that. So thank you for Sweet. for being that. <laughs> My pleasure. Yeah. There's something I was going to add, add to the good daily habits. Something that I do that was some. Oh, Ryan Yada. Like I used to have like this ten things that I do in the morning, and it was so many things, <laughs> practices, meditations, and things um, that it was kind of getting tedious. Yeah. And then uh, Ryan Yada, who started our men's group, Being Man, he posted a video of what he does, and it was like nourishment journal and exercise yeah I was like I'm gonna do that so that's what I do now every morning it's just so much easier just three things right you know so I just like make a really nice smoothie with tons of superfoods in it and then um, then I just journal I've got Danielle Laporte's desire map planner so yeah. it's a daily it's kind of like the um, the five minute journal I think yeah similar questions and then uh, then I do some kundalini yoga and it's just really lovely how long is your practice your kundalini practice well, it's anywhere from 45 minutes to 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then if I do the Aquarian sauna, that's two and a half hours. Right. I was trying to do a 40-day challenge of that. I made it to 15 days. And I was like, I'm so fucking tired. <laughs> you were getting up at, was it 2.30? I was getting up at 3.20 a.m. 3.20? To be at the yoga studio by 4 a.m. Dang. Yeah, and I was just like a little too much for the summertime. My friend Virginia and I might try it in September. Do like a... Actually, we don't say my Norman's group. We will. I don't know. Actually, I'm still. On the, I honestly am on the fence. You're not committed know. yet. You're I'm interested. Not, I'm You're interested, interested not in committed. the idea of doing a, another 40-day challenge right. with Virginia, like buddy system. Um, but yeah, I find like 45 minutes to an hour and a half generally is, is right. good. It's a good little practice. I think that brings up a good point that you we're talking about like polarization and you know people living in their truths and whatever like. I think we live in an age where, like, the like, it's so acceptable just to say maybe. Right. Oh, I, I want to do it, and people are interested in so many fucking things, but they are so not committed to anything. Right. Like anything. And all of a sudden, it's like, and especially summertime is a great example of that because there's so many, you know, there's so many outside things that that catch Simulation, our attention. There's yeah. like, you know, there's the shiny penny everywhere, and yet un- unless we're committed to something then we're just kind of go by the seat of our pants. Like, it's just whatever. Mm-hmm. And so nothing that we're ever really committed to, mm-hmm. because we're really never committed to anything. Yeah. So I think, yeah, people, I think if people sort of committing to themselves more mm-hmm. and, you know, their commitment actually meant something. Yes. Like, because I think the other thing is we don't, I think one of the great things about our group too is that we hold each other accountable yes. to the things that we say we're committed to. Right. You know, and it's like, and it's fine. And, and I think it's great, like, when, say, when um, we know that, say, if, I'm, if you're going to be away for a few days, like, you step away from the practices of our group, and you do so, like, there's no apology, there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no nothing. It's just, I'm powerfully stepping away. And that's my decision. Yeah. Whereas people kind of, a lot of times in, in I'm going to use air quotes, like, real life in, in our society, like, everyone kind of dances around this whole thing because they want to try to save face with people. And I don't yeah. know, like, it's weird. I think a lot you know, of and people I, and are so wrapped up in, in social media and like comparing their backstage lives to people's airbrushed Instagram lives. Yeah. That that can erode one's self-esteem and also willpower 
Like I find, I don't know about you, but when I stare at my iPhone screen for longer than like five minutes, I get like a pressure headache. Mm. And like I can actually feel my life force being drained from my body. Right. Like I literally do not feel as motivated after I've been staring at a computer screen or an iPhone screen for more than five minutes. Like I don't know if that's just me, but like <laughs> I, I, I really do feel a lot more like in my body and committed to what I've said I'm going to commit to and actually have the willpower and the gumption to follow through with what I say I'm going to do mm-hmm. when I like really limit my screen time. Right. <laughs> so I think it's just like maybe that's part of it that we're noticing yeah. lack of commitment is kind of like this like kind of like obsession with Instagram and obsession with social media. Yeah. I think, I mean, we're talking, let's say like our morning practice with our daily intention and like we meet weekly in the morning. I think there's something so powerful that like if, you know, if I was to, if I was to, I don't know, I I always think about this. Like if I was to distill down any and every, you know, personal business development, like anything that like self-help type of thing, like if I could just teach one thing, what would it be? I always think about that. Like if it was one thing, if you just do one thing, what would it be? It would be morning time. It's like if we start our mornings powerfully, that gets us through the day. Because I know I'm the same way. Like if I have like a shit morning or if my my daughter didn't sleep and I decide to, I'm going to, you know, cop out and sleep in and not do my thing, I'm glued to my phone. Oh, yeah. Like, and it's just distraction. Sometimes that happens to me too. Like even though I have my nourishment and my yoga time and my journaling, Sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh, I'll just like check Instagram. Like I'll go into Instagram. And even if I'm on just for like five or ten minutes, I'm not as awake and motivated. Yeah. I'm not as awake and motivated throughout the rest of the day. It's weird. Morning time is crucial. So crucial. <laughs> so crucial. And it's, it's like... Okay, I need you to be my... account. Can you be my accountability buddy for no screen time before I do... Uh, not until after I finish my three little things that I do in the morning. Nourishment, journaling, exercise. Then okay. I can check my email. Okay. To hold me accountable. Yeah. Okay, so what? So what happens? So what happens? If I don't do it. Well, that's well, what happens if you do. What happens if you don't? Okay. Well, I think I should text you. Can I text you every day and just say I did? <laughs> I haven't been on my device. I haven't. Been I'm on texting you from my device that I said I wasn't going to be on. <laughs> well, I'll text you. I'm kidding. I'll kidding. text you every day, like in the late morning, saying whether or not I stuck to my commitment to go on the the screen time after I've done my three morning things. So your commitment is no screen time until... Prior, until I've done my three until morning Until you've done your morning commitments, exercise, which is exercise, journal, and, and, nourishment. and nourishment. Okay. Is that good? Yeah. Okay, sweet. Thank you. So, okay, so... Uh, just let's start, with, let's start with, like, a time period. How long, do you, how long are you committing to this? Uh, 40 days. 40 days? Yeah. Okay. 40 days. So we'll figure out the date afterwards. Okay. Uh, so what happens, like, so what's the consequence if you don't? Well, I know, I know myself, and usually if I'm held accountable by another person, I will follow through. Um, like, right now, I've agreed to not do any, like, dating apps, and uh-huh. I have a buddy that I do accountable with that, and he's, he, his thing is he's meditating twice a day. Right. And, like, it's been about 30 days, 35 days or so. And, like, I haven't gone... Like, I've stuck to my commitment. Yeah. And I know I wouldn't if I didn't have him to hold me accountable. But just texting cool. him and saying... And, like, a few days he slipped up with his meditations, but he just texts me and says, hey, I slipped up. So it's just maybe just that honesty is all we need. Yeah, yeah. What do you... So I'm just, I'm just curious. What is it that... What feeling comes up for you when... 
um, I guess when, let's say you're faced with, let's say the idea of like, oh shit, I didn't, or I might not follow through here. Like, what's the feeling that comes up for you? If I, if I like end up going on my phone before my commitments? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What feeling would come up if I ended up, if I did that? Um, I would feel... Because there's always like, when people have, let's say when people make a commitment and then there's like, there's accountability, there's like the things that they're trying to, like feelings that they're trying to avoid and then there's feelings that they're trying to get, right? Mm. Most often, the feelings we're trying to avoid is, is what is the most powerful, unfortunately, um, and maybe fortunately, I mean, because sometimes it gets us to fall through, but like stuff like guilt and shame, oh. uh, you know, because I find a lot of times when people set up an accountability, I'm not saying this in, in your, in your, in your uh, case, but I mean, a lot of people that I coach, I mean, they get stuck in this guilt and shame story about themselves that uh, like they will almost self-sabotage whatever accountability, whatever commitment they make because they, they still believe this story about themselves that is riddled with guilt and shame. Huh. And so it's like, well, I didn't follow through because of course I'm an idiot and I'm an asshole and I'm filled with shame and guilt and da da da, right? Oh. And so it's like, so we know it's that, that I, you know, and I used to be the same way too, like absolutely. Yeah. And, I don't think and so I'm, I'm, not, just, I'm just curious. So what, like, what's I'm the feeling there, that I comes just, up for you? Let's say if you, let's say if you weren't going to do it, because what, like, because for, for a lot of people, just saying, "Oh, I'm going to text you every day," like right. that's not enough for someone to be accountable. If right. it, that's enough for you, then that's that's fantastic. I feel like it. I feel like it is. I feel like it is. Um, but if I didn't do it, I would feel guilt and shame. Sure. Oh yeah. Towards, towards you, towards yourself, or towards, like, guilty, like, you're letting yourself down, or like, you're letting me down? Um, both. Or both. I feel a bit of both. Right. Like, for example, if I started going on dating apps, like, right now, my accountability buddy, Paul, um, if I started doing that, I would feel, but I'm glad that I, I would feel guilt and shame. I think it would just be a generalized guilt and shame, because it keeps me from doing it. Mm-hmm. And also, I feel so much better not doing it that it, I, like, there's actually hardly any motivation anymore to use dating apps because I meet such amazing people in real life now. And that was what my dream, was to be able to be confident enough, to have eye contact enough, to be in my body enough, to be able to meet people who I resonate with in human life, in real life. Yeah. And so that, that joy of that experience that I'm starting to have is more powerful than the urge to go on a dating app. Yeah. And that urge is still there but it's not as strong and I'm not feeding it, so it's dying. Yeah, that's great. And I think that's what a lot of people miss when they make a commitment, is that we don't, we don't really think about the consequences of both. Like, right. like, what, like, we don't think about, you know, and this is something I'll do with clients a lot, is like, it's called stacking. Like, okay, so let's say you do follow through with your commitment. What is it gonna give you? And what else is it gonna give you? What else is it gonna give you? And so we like build up so much pleasure and so much possibility for their life to actually do it and so and at the same time so much pain you know it's painful consequences to not doing it that it's like it becomes a no-brainer like their why is so big and we can do that I think with anything as simple as because that seems so innocuous to think and so benign like whatever I'm not gonna go on my phone like big deal if I go on my phone but yeah but we extrapolate and stack all of that stack each day onto the one prior into, you know, and we think about it 
10 years from now, yeah. what's the consequences of me being on my phone all the time? Yeah. It's a huge, that's a, like a major pain in the ass. Yeah, it's a lot of wasted time. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, <clears throat> your point about like um, people not following through and then feeling guilt and shame, I think that's normal and I think that's fine. And I think that for certain topics or certain commitments, I might go into that downward spiral too. And I think that if I were to be tempted to go down that downward spiral of self-loathing for not following through with commitments, I think that I would try to employ the Vipassana meditation technique. Which is that's what? what I, well, I just learned it. Um, so it's basically like you just sit with yourself. And so say you've just like, you committed to like not eat ice cream and then you eat ice cream. You feel like a, a loser. So you just like sit with yourself and you just bring your awareness to your navel point and you just notice your body inhaling and you just tell yourself inhaling or rising, rising. Oh, and first you sit in a dignified way. So you like sit like a, you know, like you're crowning yourself. Even if you don't feel like it, you just like sit in a dignified tall spine way. Mm -hmm. And then you just focus on your navel and you're just labeling your breaths, rising, rising, falling, falling. And then say you like, that thought form comes into your experience. You're a fucking loser. You just ate all that ice cream and you suck at life and you're, you're never going to amount to anything. All that, all those thoughts. Mm -hmm. So you just, it's kind of like duck hunt, like the Nintendo game. Yeah. yeah. So you're just sitting like the hunter. <laughs> We're aging hunt. ourselves now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like in duck hunt and then you just watch that duck fly by into your, around your head. It's just like, you suck. So you just label that aversion, aversion or like self-aversion, self-aversion. And you, you do your best to stay in a place of neutrality and loving compassion. And you just keep labeling your thoughts. And it's actually kind of fun. Yeah. Because then you can see all these thought forms that come towards you. And uh, instead of becoming wrapped up in them, you have you create more distance. Like Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, yeah. it's like creating more distance between the stimulus, which is like the negative thought that makes you feel like a piece of shit, and your response. So instead of reacting bodily, like, oh my God, I suck, and like depleting your life force, you're, you're in the place of the loving witness. You're like just labeling it. It's not personal anymore. And my meditation teacher told me that even prior to doing that, you can do 15 minutes of meta, or you can have like 40 days of meta, which is where you're just sitting with a neutral spine, bringing your awareness to your heart, and you're saying things. You can cater it or tailor it to how you like it, but just like, may, we talked about this before, but may I be healthy and strong, May I be happy. May I be filled with ease. Just like make yourself do that for 20 minutes every day for 40 days. Mm -hmm. And then you could do your Vipassana. Or I'm kind of combining them, so I'll do like five minutes of metta. May I be strong and healthy. May I be happy. May I be filled with ease. Do that for five minutes and then spend 15 minutes doing Vipassana. Rising, rising. So that's called your primary object of awareness, your navel point. Or mm -hmm. it could be your heart or your nose. Falling, falling. Aversion, aversion. And then, like, that makes me feel like a sense of calmness. And then I can label that calmness, calmness. Mm -hmm. And see what happens. If nothing happens, bring your awareness back down to your navel point and start to label your breathing again. Yeah. So I think that's what I would do if, if I were to go, go start feeling like self-aversion. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It's very cool.
I just like learned that. it. Thanks, Wit, for teaching me that. Yeah. <laughs> Reminds me of... Because uh, before, be I used it. to just be like, no, I'm going to feel good, and then, like, push against the thoughts and, like, force myself to, like... But the thought would be there. Yeah. So this is kind of nice because it's like Carl Jung says, what you resist persists, what you embrace dissolves. Yeah. So instead of resisting that feeling of shame, it's like, no, fully go into it and fully feel it. Okay, wow. Yeah. Label it. Because it's just energy. It's like a small child that's looking for love. That thought form is like a little energy that just wants your attention and wants love. Yeah. And you can just like turn towards it. Or maybe you're super busy one day and you don't have the wherewithal to actually do that. So you can just turn towards it and say, I see you. You know, today is not the day to to address you, but I see you and I respect you. Mm -hmm. And then go about your day. Like you don't have to like let all the walls come down and like have a complete, you know, transformation right away. Yeah. Because maybe you're not ready. Maybe you need. Maybe your nervous system's not quite ready for that. You just like slowly do it. You you can steer your own ship. But these are all tools. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that tool kind of like you're saying, like creating the distance in between the kind of the stimulus, the trigger, and our thoughts. Like the idea that like our like the thoughts that I have, the feelings that I have, have been around much longer than I have. Yeah. And so when I look at it from that standpoint, it's like, well, okay, they're not my thoughts. They're just nope. thoughts. And, and so I can distance says, myself. Every thought that's ever been thought still exists. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but I like that. I like that belief. Yeah, I like that. I like that too. Yes, yeah, so it helps you to yeah get some distance from. Okay, well, these are just thoughts. These are it's not me. Yeah. So I think a lot of times we just we attack ourselves with this like yeah. I am this thing that like, I think. In Buddhism or in Eastern thought, the mind, the true mind, is actually centralized in your heart chakra. Mm. Whereas in Western thought, we think our mind is in our brain. Right. So the Buddhists say your, your brain is like a tool shed. It's got tools you can use to solve problems, but it's actually quite claustrophobic and a little intense up there. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're down in your heart, that's your true self. That's your, the origin of your true nature, your compassionate Buddhist heart. And then you can kind of watch the craziness of your mind and other people's minds. Like I'll be walking down the street now or I'll be talking to friends and like hear people gossiping. So instead of being like, oh, why the fuck are they gossiping? They should, I just like label it gossip, gossip. And in a loving way from my heart, gossiping, gossiping. Right. And then it's like, okay, my heart is not angry at them for gossiping. I do it sometimes too. It's compassionate. And they, it just feels so good to be compassionate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And less offended. Because <laughs> I've spent a lot of my life being offended by things. And it's not a fun way to live. And it's not, it's not actually our true nature. Right. Because truth is that which supports life, according to David R. Hawkins. And being a f- really easily offended by everything will actually make you go crazy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's like people yeah, who are we're, get, seeing the, we're seeing that happen play out in Yeah, it'll make you go psychotic. Day. Like uh, Sadhguru says, like, people who get angry are like idiots. And I get angry too. And I, but then I have to watch his, TED, his video where he talks about that. Uh, it's on YouTube. Just type in Sadhguru um, anger. Yeah. And he's like, you know, you think that getting angry is going to fix the problem, but it's actually just like the Buddha said, taking poison, poison, poisoning yourself and then hoping that it's going to help change the situa- situation. Um, and, and he says that, um, you know, you get angry and it, it might feel good the first few times, but like if you keep getting angry, eventually you're going to get stuck in it and you're going to go crazy and you'll end up in the psych ward. Yeah. <laughs> it's not actually a very productive way to do it. Yeah, and I think you're saying, like, anger is a great tool. It's not a great state. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I like this Vipassana because, like, you're encouraged to just feel. If, you, if anger is there, feel it. Let it arise. And I used to do this thing where I would, like, hit pillows and roll up my window and scream when I felt anger. Mm-hmm. 
but apparently I'm taking this mindfulness-based stress reduction course. The psychologist who's running, he's like, actually, recent studies are coming out saying that that approach actually isn't as effective as just being with the anger, feeling it, breathing with it. Like the idea that you need to like um, scream into a pillow for 10 minutes when you're feeling anger may or may not be as effective as, as we all thought it was. Right. I think it's a tool. I think these are all tools and I think it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. Yeah. Um, I think I maybe let out my rage and my intensity by channeling it into teaching spin and stuff. Yeah. You know? Uh, so I think there's ways to... And also just loving yourself enough and being centered enough in your own body that you can, if you're angry at somebody, you can stay centered, Get take your shoes off earth for 10 minutes, <laughs> take some deep breaths and, you know, call a friend and say, I need to go. Just like, you, do what you need to do to do your best to stay neutral when you're, con- when you're confronting somebody about an issue that you're concerned about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think that's just getting past the initial story of why we're angry and seeing, it's like, I don't know, I, I see it like neutral. It's like, like you still have a position, yeah. but you're just not attached to the emotion of it anymore. Yeah, neutral in terms of emotion. Yeah, Doing yeah. your best to be. that space for them to be accountable to themselves and to be committed to something bigger than they were playing before. Right. And that's by, I guess, looking at, by just really opening up, like you're saying, like the more holistic view of like the problem that someone thinks that they have is affecting them at a much a deeper level in, in pain and consequence and in pleasure and possibility than they thought possible. Right. Right? Like I know that someone who comes in with I don't know, like stereotypically, let's say someone who comes in with a headache into our office. I know that that headache is not just like, oh, it's a pain in the ass because I've got this pain in my head. Like, I know that it's affecting their relationships. I know it's affecting their bottom line at work. I know it's affecting their energy and their body. I know it's affecting their, I mean, their ability to connect with God or, you know, whatever it is that they believe. Like, I know that that's affecting them in all of those different areas. So it's like, to me, I would be doing them a disservice if I didn't bring that up and allow them to step into something bigger for themselves and allow them to use that not just as like a karmic cul-de-sac type of thing or like a crazy ape type of thing where they kind of just go into the same habits and lifestyle that they were before, but to just to now create like a, like a pivot point that yeah. because of this right now, because of the commitment you're making to yourself and to your life right now, that in six months from now, a year from now, whatever it is, that your life is totally different. And mm-hmm. all it started with was with this annoying headache. But now my life is totally different. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, I, th- I think that's, that's, that's huge. And, th- like, we see, like, I see so much more, even in my own life, like, how such a small little trigger, like a headache or a not being on my phone until I'm done my morning routine, like, a small little thing, that ripple effect and that kind of, the, the tangent that that can take in my life is huge. Like, so sure. huge. Yeah, little micro-adjustments can, it's like a golf swing, you can just such subtly adjust it. It can have a great... Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That's really good. Yeah. That's cool. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? 
I want to always talk about everything. <laughs> that was my, that was my, uh, my, not, not my pitfall, but like when I did podcasts too and I would interview people, uh-huh. like I was always trying to be cognizant of like the time that I took and more so for them because I knew that, okay, I said, okay, we're going to be an hour or whatever that I would stick to that, but I just would talk to these people all day. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> fine. Yeah. I usually edit them down to like 45 minutes to an hour. So we'll, we'll, have, edit, we'll have fun edit editing. I don't know how long we've been going, but... It's been... It's been an hour and 12 minutes. Oh, there you go. That's not bad. That's like not Five minutes, but yeah. Um, I know, we've talked a lot. I think, I think there's... I think this is such an amazing, amazing medium because it allows people to... Like you were saying, like, you started this podcast partially because you weren't hearing the conversations that you wanted to hear, and so you're like, well, fuck it, I'm going to do it myself. And before, we had all of these gatekeepers and, like, you're saying about trying to get on the radio, like, you're not yeah. Drake, so fuck off. Yeah, exactly right? what they say. But. So, but, but we have the opportunity now in the age that, we, that, we are, that we're in to be able to impact way more, many, way, way, more, way more people at a much deeper level with simple stuff, like putting on microphones and just talking. Yeah, it's And great. I think that's an amazing thing. And I think we get so we get so glued to the other end of like the sensationalism and like all the crises that we see and all the bullshit like you're saying like the you know we see people's um, I call it like our green screen lives oh yeah things that people show on Instagram or whatever that it's not really our, our everyday life but I think if we search it, even a cursory search on online can find you'll find some amazing amazing things yes I mean there are people who are showing you know people being beheaded and and there's also like Sadhguru yeah. on YouTube. Like there's the whole gamut, yeah. but it's not because it's also it's all there. But what are we focusing on? So I think this the technology we have is it's neither new here nor it's it's just the technology. But it. what we use to like how we focus and how we yeah, how we engage with it is so important. So I would just I don't know just implore everybody to just engage in things that open our hearts and. Help us to just be more compassionate people and to be just kinder totally. people. So, totally. I, I could talk about this. I could talk all day. Yay! <laughs> but I know. I think the other thing too is I, one one of the things I feel is, and I've just come into this recently, is like a superpower of mine is my curiosity. Like I'm just so curious about people. Like what makes people tick and what makes people. I don't know, what makes people who they are. And I think if we were all just a little bit more curious as opposed to staunch in our, like, this yeah. is my position in life that, like you were saying, like, hey, what's, like, what's behind that? Like, someone is, like, really, someone calls you a faggot or something. I'm like, what's, what's behind that? Like, what's, yeah. what's up it's with that? Like, hey, man, what's up with that? <laughs> yeah, it's like having a strong enough, I keep going back to the nervous system, but I really started to realize that. It's like having a strong enough nervous system to when somebody offends you to not go into fear or to anger yeah to maybe just feel if you do feel fear just like feel it but don't let it don't let it disconnect you from who you truly are which is loving awareness yeah so then you can keep being the loving awareness for like the homophobe or whatever and then like you can you can just like it's all about everybody just wants to feel a little better Mm -hmm. so maybe the reason why that person said this is they're just trying to feel a little better like maybe they are in the closet and having a tough time right I remember this there's a guy who was severely overweight in my school and he used to always bully me and then I saw him at a gay bar in Vancouver uh, a few years ago and he lost all this weight and he looked great and 
was like, oh my God, is that, that, that dude? And he like came up to me and he's like, can I just talk to you for a second? And I was like, sure. He's like, yeah, I was um, having some trouble in high school. Like I was in the closet and I saw you and like you were doing the student announcements and like you were gay and like you're just doing all these things and um, it made me insecure. So I felt the need to bully you and I just wanted to apologize. Hmm. And I was like, oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And so like it's never personal. Even when it feels like it's personal, it's never, it's never personal. It's hard. Yeah. It's still, still painful. Like it was very painful the things he, he said to me. But. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think that's. I mean, that speaks so clearly to the idea that, like, our job, our number one job, is to just be ourselves, one hundred percent, and that allows others to be able to do the same. Yeah. Like I think about uh, you know a, a, f- a friend and a client of mine, Yogi. I think I think you guys. He knows you. Omar? Anyways, Yogi Omar. Yeah, I yeah. Love him. yeah. Yeah, guys, just awesome. And yeah. I mean, there is not one. I mean, there's not one iota of a second that you'd be with him and you'd think that he was anything other than who he is. Like yeah. he's just him all the time. Yeah. You know, like you know, <laughs> you know where he stands on everything all the time. And I think it's just a beautiful thing because it it you know, and he tells me stories, and I've heard stories from other people, like you know, from other people who know him. Uh, very similar like they'll come up to him and they'll come up to me and tell me like oh you know this guy yogi like oh man he totally changed my life not by anything he said but just by who he was he was just unapologetically him and i know that like when when people come up against that when i'm i know that i'm being me it's just a story that they have yeah and the more that i like when people you see people and you know that if they're being brash and they're being dicks and whatever it is like you know that that's not them yeah and it's so weird that like when we are all 100% who we are, it is love, it is compassion, it totally. is joy, it is, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just all positive. Yeah, I have a story about Yogi. Um, one time he and I were hanging out and there was all these like sort of built, very masculine looking men walking towards us. And because of my history being kind of chased up the street and stuff, I was kind of go like sometimes I get a little nervous. And Yogi just was like, Hi guys, how are you? Like he's just like <laughs> very like loving and like yeah. and they're like, oh we're good, we're good, how are you? And he's like, great. And he's like, have a great night. And like by hanging out with Yogi, um, it taught me to like just choose love no matter what. Yeah. And invariably that will have an effect on people around you. Yeah. Like you set the tone. It's like what what energy does the world need? It needs love. Okay, you bring that to the party. And Yogi brings that to the party. Yeah in a big way and that really inspires me <laughs> yeah so if we could all just be more like yogi <laughs> yeah just be more like yogi <laughs> totally that's the moral of the story actually just, I just saw him this morning oh did you yeah. nice um, tell him I say hi next time you see him I will really lovely awesome man well, I think that's a good note to finish on alright be more like yogi <laughs> be more like yogi <laughs> be, be just be you just, just be, be you. you amen thanks Alan awesome thank you cheers <laughs>